This is the Books Podcast presented by Tim Haig. Music discovery feels like it's a dying art. I couldn't not be there. Yeah, I think I was heavily medicated throughout. I ask you, gentlemen of the jury, is this the kind of book you like your wives and servants to read? Pop Life is a book, a first book by Tom Kirkham, which is subtitled The Story of a Minor Musical Expedition, which is what it is. It it could almost have been a blog, couldn't it, Tom? If I'd thought of that at the time, yes, it probably could. But I didn't really set out to write a book in the first place, or indeed a blog. In fact, I was mainly capturing these experiences because if you go to a lot of gigs and do it my way, you forget quite a lot of information due to alcohol consumption. So (laughs) So. this was was my attempt to remind myself of what I had actually been doing and what I had thought along the way. And it was only about three months in when I suddenly, something clicked and I thought, hang on a sec, I have an idea. And that Change the approach thereafter. So let's make clear what what happened was that it it covers a year, mm-hmm. and um, at the beginning of this year, you you made a decision to uh, go to a live music gig every week. That's right. Although it's a little confusing that it gets up to gig number sixty seven. In, in well, I, I I couldn't stop by by the end. That was that was part of the problem. But it the 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 gig was was a way of instilling structure because my life at that point was pretty devoid of it and that was not helpful to my mental state at all because I was already in a a seriously dark place and so I needed a way out of it. I needed some sort of structure and something resembling a routine to work with and by framing it over the course of a year it sort of put off put off the problem for 12 months like okay if I can do this and get to the end of it I'll be around and hopefully more together in a year's time this makes you sound very serious but <laughs> it's really funny and it's really good nature I mean it's full of um, of quite quite dark moments and you you confess to quite a lot of uh, of trouble it's, it's not so much a misery memoir as a sort of uh, a neurosis memoir uh-huh. isn't it it's, and 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 it was triggered well, everybody has a sort of a pop loss, don't they? So they just, yeah. it's John Lennon, it's Kurt Cobain, um, David Bowie was a big mm. one for you, but the real trigger was Prince. Well, that that's right. I mean, obviously Bowie Bowie had had a, a, a pronounced impact on my life, certainly growing up. And, and But when he died, after the initial shock, there was great sadness. But as you started to realize the genius behind how he'd sort of choreographed his final moves, there was there was an awful lot of admiration. And there was even satisfaction in just how well played that, you know, that his final episode had had been with with Prince, who was, you know, my musical idol, and I'd been obsessed with him for, you know, 20 years. There was none of that. It was just sudden, out of the blue, stunned and utter bleakness. There's nothing to salvage from this situation. This was a sort of a performer that was as effervescent and reliable as as he ever had been. He released an album a year. You know, that's what he did. He performed every year. Um, He didn't even appear to have aged. I mean, he probably had a lot of work done, but um, and it turned out he was addicted to painkillers. But, you know, and we didn't know any of this. So 
already being in a bad place, already struggling, that was the thing that hit me. And it was the moment where you're just thinking, why am I bothering? What, you know, this is, this is, the world has gone mad. And unless I do something about it, you just fear to decline, you know. So, so at the beginning, we find we find you in tears over um, Prince's death, but n not everybody says, "Well, what I'll do is I'll go to a lot of gigs then," because um, that's that's not a that's a slightly counterintuitive response. But it, it's really about your your attitude to music. Yeah, I think I think that's right, and I think that one of the things that had happened in in the dark patch was music had had been lost to me really because. I think, you know, on a good day, I mean, I've always got a song playing in the back of my head and on a good day, you know, I've probably got ABBA, My Love, My Life, blaring out, you know, just um, in there or, or Thomas the Tank Engine, alarmingly. I don't, um, <laughs> but um, when things are bad and when all you've got in your head are sort of voices and anxieties and all these, these um, problems, there just wasn't room for it. And in a way it took something like Prince dying to be this sort of wake-up call. I spent the entire night just listening to all Prince albums, realising how great they were. And then there was this palpable sense of something's missing, something is absolutely missing, and I've got to go out and find it. And I think that, speaking more broadly, this idea of music discovery feels like it's a dying art, you know, in this world of curated Spotify playlists that are increasingly, you know, the music's going to be made by robots, that the music just comes to you. You don't go out and search for it. And that was a time when I needed to go out and search for something. You do have a fantastically Catholic taste as well. I mean, apart from apart from hip-hop, which you say is, is what is the musical equivalent of a failed state, I couldn't agree with you more. And... Um, I think it's fair to say you're not a big Kanye West man. Well, no, and I and I I tried a bit. I tried to watch his, you know, seminal Glastonbury performance. I what thought, the one with Bohemian Rhapsody? I just thought it was all total bollocks. It was incredible. It was just it was just one massive show off with a bizarre sort of spacecraft lighting rig, you know, just boring an audience of 150,000 people to death. But, and singing badly. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I, I'm. I'm pretty clear, I think, in terms of what what I don't like or what I don't get and thus won't go near. But generally speaking, But you, you'll keep... take on board. I mean, we've got ambient and thrash metal uh -huh. and we've got country and we've got pop and, and, and prog rock. I mean, it, it, there's, there's very little you won't give house room to. The, the, hopefully. And I certainly think the year of going out and, and experiencing all this music has expanded my horizons and made me more engaged than I even was at the start with the idea of trying new things. One thing that's interesting is I'm I'm horrified by how many um, how many of the bands and and singers um, I've I've <laughs> never heard of. Uh, I mean, you 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 really do delve. A lot of that was was by sort of by the very nature of having committed myself to this thing and then not really thought about the timing and you know as any music fan will know if you if you set off to go and find live music outside of the festival scene in July and August you're going to really struggle because none unless you find out where the warm up shows are all the bands are doing the festivals around around Europe right so about 4 or 5 weeks in i was sort of 
scrabbling around different and, and you know, you bands in town to... and song kick and whatnot, desperately looking for something. So you had to just go with... And you wind up going to some things that you, you almost know nothing about as well. I, I knew absolutely nothing about an awful lot of the bands that are in there. And I can, you know, the, the sad truth is, I mean, I must have read the book several dozen times. There are still bands that I, I literally could not tell you a thing about because I've erased all trace of the gig. But... There are others that I went in completely blind, like um, the Japanese house is the best example of this this incredibly talented um, young woman um, who has a little bit of Prince about her actually in her in her playing style um, was one of the best things I saw all year, and I ended up going back to see her twice despite having been without sleep on a long haul flight the previous twenty. You do that hours. a lot. I mean, there are a lot of uh, <laughs> often quite. Funny stories about what a terrible state you were in going to these gigs and barely able to keep your eyes open. Or uh, sometimes, you know, one of your friends will fall over and, and be taken to hospital. So you'll miss the end of it mm-hmm. and have to go back the following day to see, see what the Well, that, that was an Avril Lavigne gig, of all things. So we, we... Yeah, it's a da- dangerous place, is Avril Yeah, well, in, in, indeed so. Um, well, I, mean, I, I guess I'm not a music critic. And I and and I do not consider the book to be a piece of musical criticism. It's even mostly though... not. I mean, you, you sort of do tell us what the gig was like, but mostly you're telling yeah. us about where you were at and 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 how how you were feeling and what was going on. Exactly. I am I am an exuberant um, music fan. You're a fan, and I am a deeply flawed and imperfect individual, and I make lots of mistakes. And especially if, as you go through your life, you're you're dealing with all sorts of demons along the way, you are more likely to make more mistakes and you more, are more likely to go over the edge on certain moments. And it became clear to me that if there was going to be anything authentic coming out of this end product, then it had to be unabashed truth about all of that. You know, you had to actually stand up and say, yeah, I was in a horrific state because, you know, at 3 a.m. the previous morning, I thought it would be a good idea to hurl myself randomly over the sofa and break my back into. You know, the, the book is essentially a a guide to the various ways in which you can injure yourself <laughs> physically and yes. me- mentally. You know. Well, you, and that makes it sound pretty grim. And yet... Um, the reader is going to imagine it, it, that you have an impossibly glamorous life. It, just in the course of this this twelve months, you see gigs in uh, in New York, in the Bahamas, uh, Denmark. Uh, we've got uh, Germany, Norway. I mean, and, and I probably missed a couple. So that's just in the twelve months. Mm. You, you refer to other trips that you've made in, in in you know in the sort of footnotes as well. But that that sounds impossibly glamorous to the rest of us. Well. I'm unbelievably lucky. I mean, it sounds it, it, it sounds bizarre to say something like that, having just explained about you know all these demons and so on and so forth. But I think that was part of the desire to tell this story. Was you got to acknowledge, you know, I've worked hard for 15 years and done relatively well for myself, and can go to places that I certainly couldn't go five, ten years ago, or whatever. And if I decide on a whim to go to a gig in Denmark, that's an unbelievably privileged position. But it doesn't change the fact that the problems still exist. You're still there with the the mental health problems. And 
that happens to all sorts of people in all professions, in all walks of life. And I think it is a reality that we don't talk about it enough and we stigmatize it. And people in positions of greater power than me and greater responsibility than, than I are under tremendous pressure because of these things and because we aren't being open about it. Uh, so, so look, did, did you have like a, an actual diagnosis of these, these uh, mental health issues? Um, oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, well, to be honest, I've had multiple diagnoses <laughs> over the course of my, my adult life. Um, but certainly at the time of starting the book, I was quite heavily medicated. I'd been going to therapy for about six or seven months and you know throughout the uh the entire book i'm i'm keeping up appearances on my therapy sessions um yeah i think i was heavily medicated throughout in fact other than a week uh, around the new year where i uh, went to uh to the arctic circle and forgot my medication despite having been told by my doctor you need as much sunlight as possible <laughs> <laughs> so there is a glamorous side to to the book and I almost feel somewhat embarrassed at times that you know I'm sort of able to do these things that I'm well aware that other people wouldn't even be able to countenance but I think it is important just to be true to yourself and say well yeah I, I, I did I did go to some of these things I didn't have a good time in them all I had some really, really, really <laughs> yeah, challenging... Yeah, a terrible time in the Bahamas. And that New York City trip was just All a right, nightmare. okay. You yeah, see, you see I'm just setting myself up for this it, stuff, isn't, isn't it? it? Yeah. You know, but that's... It, it is what it is, it, you know. Even, even the ticket prices, though. I mean, pop bands cost a, a fortune to go to these days. Well, I, I, I certainly nearly bankrupted myself at several points along the way. Um, I mean, it, it is. It is, a, it is an unbelievably expensive undertaking and when you think about making the evenings count as opposed to turning up at five to nine watching the band and going straight home you end up spending a bunch more money and, and putting your body on the line at times as well but again as as a music fan and I'm sure you know this from your own experiences but as a music fan you 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 you, you stop paying attention to the cost at the moment in which someone that you want to pl see play badly enough comes Kate along. Bush in Kate Bush. Tell us about Kate Bush. And Kate, well, Kate Bush was, I mean, I, I ended up going on the first night of, of her, you know, of her Before the Dawn tour um, by mistake because the only tickets we could get were hospitality tickets that cost 450 quid each. So when I, <laughs> when I had to report back to my, yeah. my girlfriend at the time that we were not going on holiday. Did it go down well, Tom? <laughs> um, like a lot of the decisions I made around that time, no, they didn't go down brilliantly. But once I was there at the gig, it was like, this was absolutely the right decision because I couldn't not be there. That's actually a, a, a refrain you have, isn't it? Every so often there's something, the, you, you're there and you, you, you say to yourself, I couldn't not well, it's, it's have done this. Right? Well, it's, I was going to say, it, yeah, it, fan is, 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 it lides into obsessive, doesn't it, eventually? Yeah, I, 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 think, I think it absolutely does. And that's why, that's why I think it was, it was Prince and the obsession with Prince that, that, that kicked all this off. If it had been someone else you know i mean we'd, we'd also lost lemmy we'd lost you know keith emerson's george martin had all gone in it that wasn't a good months. year was it it was a very bad year yeah um but 
it is the. And unique- do you know, I, I, I've, I've always thought though that um, it was Bowie dying at the beginning of the year that made everyone seem like a, a, a sort of addition. If, if, if we hadn't had a huge one at the beginning of the year, we wouldn't have noticed so much the uh, mm. succession of, of, of rock gods gone. The, the, from, from a rock perspective, yeah, I think, I think you're right. But of course, over the course of that year, you then get Brexit, and then you, you wrap the year up. 2016 with Trump. So what started with Bowie does seem to become this this just great harbinger of of worrying change albeit you know uh, with different <laughs> counter perspectives depending on what which side of the fence you sit on but it it felt like an alarming year and obviously my my musical expedition my journey starts halfway through it by the time you get to the end, we've had all these terror attacks as well, you know, and, and you, you, there is this sense that you are living in deeply disturbing times of change that doesn't necessarily feel particularly positive. And I think there is a sense that maybe you can go back to any arbitrary point, but there is something about Bowie that shakes the foundations of the UK to its core. I agree, yeah, yeah. Did it work? I mean, was the... Was the uh, the journey, the expedition, worth it? And did it did it help? Um, it was definitely worth it. Um, and I think there were certainly points in the book that I talk about real concern about how I would be doing were it not for the fact that I was on this journey and so compelled, irrespective of what my mindset was that particular week, I had to carry on. And there were concerns... Why? Why, why, did, why did you have to? Well, because I, I think ultimately we, need, we all need a sense of purpose. We all need a sense of meaning. And that's exactly what I was battling with at the start. And so I think my, my answer as to whether it was worth it or whether it helped is that music discovery, as opposed to it just being a thing that comes to you and you, you know, you, yeah, it's, that's nice heard that on the radio, it's all right. If you go out and seek it, it gives you purpose. And the more you go out and do that, the more you start to open richer and richer universes that you didn't even know about. And so all of the sort of the 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 musical history and the sort of the encyclopedic element of the book all oh, came about. And there's a lot of that. Yeah. I mean, you name check a member of Shawadi Wadi in the book, which I love. I mean, I, I would never have known who he was. No, 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 likewise. But it, it doors open other doors and, and so on and so forth. And, and, you, and so you come out of the experience 12 months later feeling much richer in terms of knowledge, feeling as though you've achieved something, however minor. And I, and I, and I am painfully aware because this bloke in a bar told me how meaningless he considered my expedition to be about two-thirds of the way through he's just like yeah that's nothing i go to like four gigs a week and i was like all right well good for you you was it a bar in an exotic place um no it was east london so no uh so look japanese house was one of the best gigs what about the worst um I, I don't like being mean to individual oh, artists. Oh, I want you to. The worst ones, ultimately, are the ones that I can't remember. I think that has to be said. I mean, I am not the world's biggest Pete Doherty fan, and I am in a, a difficult place because one of my closest friends, now wife, 
is his violinist. And it was lovely of her to get us the tickets. Going there provoked the extreme realisation that this was not for me. But even that still carries a memory. And it still prompted me into reaction. Whereas It's also prompted you to say in the book that Pete Doherty's become a sort of charmless Morrissey. Although, to be fair, as you point out, Morrissey's giving him a lot of competition. I think that, that would be an interesting battle, wouldn't yeah. it? To, to see who could out-uncharm... No, wait, I don't, yeah. I'm not sure where I'm going with that. But there are bands like um, someone Laurel or Bay Waves. Or, uh, like, I, couldn't, I couldn't honestly tell you thing about them they you know it might be that there are other people out there for whom this is the most exciting band on the the planet but i suppose that's the the point is it's all subjective you know i might be right in this instance but technically it's it's subjective well i really enjoyed pop life <laughs> it it it's very entertaining it's a good thing that you write well um because otherwise this could be a bit of a bring down on the in, instead it's it's great fun, and I really enjoyed well, it. Thank so you. thank you very much. Pop Life by Tom Kirkham is eleven pound fifty, published by Novum. Thank you, Tom. Thank you. That was the Books Podcast with Tim Haig. The Books Podcast is produced by Green Shoot. You can find out more at www.green-shoot.com, and Tim can be contacted on tim at green-shoot.com.